Well, let's get this over with. Welcome into the show. It's going to be a show that's going to be hard for me to do because I've got to talk about and own up to my failures as a batting practice outfielder. Welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily, everyone. I'm Brendan Schaefer alongside you here, breaking down the Cardinals' spring training camp as I'm live still down in Jupiter, Florida, doing the thing, going to the fields every day, checking out the action. And today, the action, oh man, it almost could have included me if I would have been just a little better. You know, I'm a 26-year-old guy. I fancy myself as someone who can move pretty well, pretty athletic, all things considered. I'm not a very tall guy, not a very fast guy, but I'm not afraid to throw my body around in the sake of making a highlight real play, okay? And I'm telling you, I would have done it. I would have laid the body on the line and sacrificed for life and limb to make this catch on Elaine Thomas live batting practice home run off of Henesis Cabrera. Like, this was an impressive poke by Lane Thomas because Henesis Cabrera was pitching. Like, he was trying to get him out. And Lane Thomas smoked one over the left field wall. And we're standing over there as we have to do during the spring training sessions this year because of the limited capacity for media People go in shifts, etc. I actually wasn't in either shift today, so I spent my time on the outskirts, essentially beyond the left field wall of what I believe is termed Field 5 at the Cardinals Complex down here. And on this field, there was plenty of action going on today, fortunately, so we've got plenty to talk about in today's show, but I had to kick it off by kicking myself a little bit for my failure as an athlete this morning uh, to make what would have been a highlight real play, I gotta say. But this home run, you know, I'm standing over there along the fence line, just on the other side of, of the warning track in left field, standing there with Jeff Jones, standing there with Zachary Silver, and we're just chatting, watching batting practice, and boom, Thomas hits one. I can tell off the bat, this one's gone, but I don't know how far gone it is. So I start tra- tracing back a little bit, But my first step wasn't good enough. I needed to go first step as though this ball was getting to the tree line, which, for reference, the tree line is pretty much, I don't know if it's 50, 60 feet beyond the fence. Like, it's a decent distance. Uh, That's why I say, I mean, the fact that Lane Thomas hit this ball as far as he did, uh, kudos to him. I guess he's having a nice spring is the update on the Cardinals outfield competition. But... I trace back, and I'm, like, jogging for reference. I'm wearing Sperry's. I've got a Galaxy watch on my right wrist, which is important because as a left-handed thrower, traditional right-handed catcher, I'm going to glove this ball without a glove using my right hand as I race back on it. But I really wasn't racing back unless you were counting the tortoise and the hare as a race. Um, I was more the tortoise in that situation but I didn't manage to win. Slow and steady wasn't winning this race um, because I only had so much time. I would say I traversed around 30 or 40 feet, got back on it, but just not far enough, and it escaped my outstretched hand by probably, I would say, three or four feet. So I was really a step and a half away, and if I had made a quicker first step and had committed to going for it, I may have gotten a hand on it. Now, Whether or not I would have caught it is a different question entirely because later on, batting practice was going on, and this was not with pitchers actually trying to get guys out. It was coaches pitching, and I had another ball that 
I again, I kind of had to run for it, and this time I was. I was on my horse because I didn't want to make the same mistake as the last time. But you know what? I'm ashamed to admit it hit me in the hand, and I did not haul it in. And so that's kind of where I decided, look, okay, I, I, I said the first time, if I had got my hands on this ball from Lane Thomas's bat, I would have made that play. And despite all the limitations, somewhere inside of me, I still think that would have been the case. But you know what? I'm a, I'm a guy who's tethered to reality, and when I get another opportunity, this one was pretty much straight to my right, so I wasn't racing back on it. Kind of was one of those deals where if you're playing baseball, you might want to you know corral it in your glove use your other hand to cover the glove, make sure the ball doesn't pop out, and do a little barrel roll, right? Well, I wasn't going to be that committed to the barrel roll, and so I had to kind of lunge for it, popped out of my hand. Uh, Look, I'm just as disappointed in me, if not more so, than any of you out there, and so I understand the, uh, you know, the disappointment that goes down here, but look, I've got to be, I've got to be realistic. I can't keep running after these balls and making fool of myself. If a ball is within, you know, 10 to 12 feet, a couple steps either way, you bet your bottom dollar I'm going to make my best effort to catch it. But these full-scale on-the-run plays, I just don't think they're for me um, at this point in time. You know, I, I think those days maybe have passed me by. Certainly if I had more cracks at it, I'd make a catch. But listen, these moments come every so often, and you've got to be ready for them when they do. And today, we weren't ready for the moment, and... You know, we're disappointed. Um, it, it's not the way we wanted it to go down, but that's the way it happened, and so we're going to try to bounce back from it. We'll get it fixed, as Jeff Fisher used to say. Um, but, no, I don't think I can I can continue sprinting in Sperry's to try and uh, catch baseballs out there at the Cardinals Complex. But pretty cool. There are some kids out there who, uh, you know, teenage kids who bring their glove and you, you follow on a couple of these fields. Guy had like a dozen baseballs that, he had corralled him and his buddy. Uh, each had a nice pile of balls there. So um, evidently, that's a thing that you can that you can do when they're on the backfields. And when there's not a lot of competition around, it was just these two kids on one of the fields as I was walking back. They actually hit another ball that there was nobody around at this point, but it was clearly going to be a home run, and it was pretty close to me, closer than either of the first two. But I was like, nope, I'm not going back down that well. I don't want to go 0 for 3 in the same day. So rather than sprint after it, I'm just going to wait for it to land, and I'm going to pick it up. Um, so that's the story of what happened this morning at Cardinals camp and my failure as an athlete. But I'll bounce back from it. I have full faith in myself to be able to bounce back. But let's get into some actual news and notes about the Cardinals, the baseball players you care to hear about, rather than me talking about my own exploits. Today was interesting. Uh, something of note that I saw, and I tweeted about it. Derek Gould was standing right next to me. I believe he tweeted about it as well. Cardinals prospect Nolan Gorman shagging fly balls out in left field. Kind of interesting because, as we know, with Nolan Arenado now in the fold as the third baseman, Nolan Gorman is a natural third baseman. That's been his position throughout his time so far with the Cardinals. Uh, obviously that's kind of a little bit of a roadblock, but if his bat continues to develop, and my goodness, if you're watching him in batting practice today, it looks like the thing is developing. Uh, Certainly a nice, sweet swing from the left side of the plate. 
but you're going to want to find somewhere to put this guy. And so it's been discussed that he's been working with Jose Okendo on second base, which makes a lot of sense because you lose Colton Wong. You've got Edmund that can play there. But again, folks, Tommy Edmund is going to move around. I don't think he's going to be locked into 150 starts at second base. I think you're going to see him play a lot of second. I think you're going to see him capable of filling in at third if and when Arenado ever needs a day. Uh, I think you could certainly see him fill in at shortstop as the backup to Paul DeYoung, particularly if a guy like Edmundo Sosa doesn't crack the 26-man roster. Uh, Tommy Edmond could certainly be in line for some of those opportunities, and Matt Carpenter could then slide into second. Nolan Gorman, obviously, is a guy that could slide into second. He's been working on it. Uh, if he reaches the team at some point in 2021, wouldn't be a surprise. Um, outfield, potentially, for Tommy Edmond could be another spot that he would play. Mike Schilt has put him there frequently in the past, really in all three spots, if I recall. He's played some center field as well. Uh, so I think it just is going to depend on the flow of the season, and that'll dictate where Edmund goes. But certainly second base is not locked down one guy's job, uh, so Gorman could fit in there. But Gorman could also fit into the outfield if he shows the ability at some point uh, to play it out there. He looked fine today. I, you're just basically shagging in BP. It's a lot different from a willingness to put him in there in a big league game. But certainly if, you know, he's continuing to hit at that minor league level and looking like he merits a spot on this roster at some point in time, I think that you could absolutely uh, start throwing Nolan Gorman into the outfield, left field, most likely left field would be where you put him. And that's where he was standing today. Um, and look, didn't, didn't make any mistakes on any plays. There was one ball before I even realized it was Nolan Gorman, uh, He's kind of ranging to his right to cut off a, a liner close to the corner. I wouldn't say it was in the corner, but it was certainly to the right of a left fielder. And he cut it off really well and fired it back in towards second base pretty quickly. So clearly he's out there just shagging. Um, it was kind of funny. Willie McGee was standing out there talking to a few fans uh, through the fence and you know working around the outfielders during that BP session. They had several outfielders out there. Austin Dean, Lane Thomas was out there as well for a spell. And so Willie McGee was out there just shagging and, you know, taking part in his coaching efforts for the Cardinals in the outfield. And he asked Nolan at one point, Nolan Gorman, he said, hey, have you ever played out here before? And he said, no, not really. I'm just kind of shagging out here. And then not five seconds after that, he makes a nice little catch on a liner that was kind of low into his left. So, I mean, look, I wouldn't say you can look a whole lot into it that, oh, Nolan Gorman is officially converting to the outfield. But I think some of the things you see him doing this spring, getting some work in at second, shagging out there with Austin Dean in the outfield today, uh, it's certainly the writing is on the wall for him to potentially be flexible. And he's an athletic kid, and so I think certainly it's, it's plausible that if the bat dictates, they're going to want to know they have places to put him, and I think the outfield could certainly be one of those places if you get him reps in the minors, which I think you should do. I think that would make a lot of sense um, to, to, to move him around, certainly play him in some second in some games. Uh, I, I don't think they should totally abandon him playing third because if he can stick at that position defensively, it can be an asset down the road. But, you know, if you've got Nolan Arenado in the fold for the next however many years, I know they add, I think it's like seven years if he doesn't opt out, which he's talked about having no intention of doing, but it's just, you know, it's it's just one of those things that's a safeguard in the contract just in case something crazy happens that he's able to opt out after the next two seasons. 
But I, I think that Nolan Gorman moving around at, at Springfield, probably where he would start out this year, if I had to guess, uh, would make a lot of sense. And then if you get him to Memphis, do the same thing. I think that would be awesome. Uh, and, and if he if he hits at those levels, he could be on a Dylan Carlson-like trajectory the way Carlson was in 2019. I want to make sure I'm saying this correctly. When Carlson lit it up at Springfield and went to AAA at the end of the year for kind of a test run, and he was even better in in spring in pardon me in Memphis in AAA, and then to start the next year it was pretty clear that he was close. And so even if Gorman doesn't make an impact this year, which maybe he's a little bit too early in his progression to do, it's not. I mean we'll we'll see. The the play on the field will dictate that in a lot of ways. Um, but I think certainly by the end of this year, if he's not already knocking on the door, he'll be really really close. And when he gets here, you're going to want to play him. So position it's important to consider uh going to be a benefit though too that the dh will almost certainly be in effect in 2022 and so you're going to play nolan arenado at third for as long as his body defensively is is capable of doing the things that he's done throughout his career and gorman it's going to be great for him to be able to if he can play second great if he can play left field great he'll probably be able to still play third and you could dh him if you have to so i think certainly by the beginning of 2022 Gorman is going to be right smack dab on the radar, uh, if not sooner. So interesting tidbit from camp today, seeing him uh, do a little shagging in left field. Saw him with some coach pitch BP, uh, hitting some bombs out to right field. So he looks good, no question about it. And it's only a matter of time, I think, before Cardinals fans are going to be seeing him in St. Louis. Let's see, though, other notes today. Saw Giovanni Gallegos do some Live BP pitching. I know that Miles Michael is, uh, was set to face hitters, but I was not privy to that to know how that went. I believe that was taking place on another field. But I did see Gallegos. He faced Gorman and looked pretty good against Gorman in that at-bat. I think Gorman uh, battled him in, in the couple I saw. One was kind of a pop-up to center shallow center field. Uh, so Giovanni Gallegos being able to recapture the form that he had in 2019 would be a tremendous benefit to the Cardinals' bullpen because you think about the names and the arms that are potentially out there already, it's pretty impressive. Like guys that were really strong and contributing last year, Alex Reyes, Genesis Cabrera. I've talked about Cabrera being a guy that I would like to see in a starter's role. The more I watch this spring and and hear the way the team is approaching this conversation about the rotation, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to go the way of Ryan Helsley, who's another guy that should have an impact this year, where he was a starter in the minors and then came up and they, you know, thought maybe they'd have him as a starter in spring. Uh, But as time goes on, it becomes clear that your weapon of triple digit fastball with some nasty off speed stuff out of the bullpen is a great combination for guys that have two or three pitches uh, and maybe just two great ones, and they're able to use that in shorter bursts. Uh, And I think Alex Reyes, again, could be a starter, but I think more likely than not, he's going to end up in relief because when you look at where the rotation sits right now, especially if Carlos Martinez is somebody that can, can work his way back into, really in my head, it's back into proving that he can be that guy again. Uh, in the Cardinals' minds, the way it appears to be going into spring, you know, they feel like they're pretty set with their uh, rotation competition and what I would term as like a six or seven guy group of pending injury, right? We've talked about Flaherty. We've talked about Adam Wainwright being two guys we feel great about, uh, you know, looking at where the Cardinals stand heading into the season, that unless something crazy health-wise happens, they're going to be locked in there. Kwon Young Kim, Mike Schultz has already said, is going to be a starter. He's pretty much already 
drop that nugget, which of course he was. I mean, you looked at what he did last year. There's no question that they were going to put him back in that role again, uh, provided health. And so you've got Michaelis, though, coming back from that injury. If he's able to progress and, and be the guy that he was, he's going to be in that rotation. He's got the contract. There's no question uh, there's not going to be a competition he's going to lose if he's healthy. So that really leaves one spot unless you already count Carlos Martinez as part of that group. I've talked about I'm not if I'm the Cardinals coming into this spring, I'm not able to consider him as a shoe in as an automatic for the starting rotation. Uh, it's going to have to be, you know, prove it again. And if you can prove it again, absolutely. There are honestly few people out there that were as big of fans of Martinez and, and as big of uh, someone pushing for Martinez to get that opportunity to return to the rotation in 2018, 2019. Like I talked about it ad nauseum uh, when, when John Mozeliak went on the radio uh, with Frank Cusimano at one point and said, you know, there was some thought to putting him back in the rotation that year, but when Jordan Hicks got injured, they needed, you know, somebody to fill in as the, the closer and leverage reliever in late-game situations, and so they just really never made that move. I thought that was insane at the time. I said, if, if this guy can start and you really believe that health-wise and, and, you know, with his mental approach, everything is coming together and you think he can handle it, that's where he should be. I don't care what he can do in the bullpen. But last year, it wasn't a success. COVID crushed him. You know, it, it had more of an impact on him than probably any other pitcher and probably any other player on the team. This side of Lane Thomas, who uh, struggled when he came back as well with the after effects of COVID. But I don't believe he was hospitalized like Carlos Martinez was to get IV fluids at one point in time last summer. So given all of that, you can you can give Carlos a little bit of a pass. And I think given his track record, as a starter and the fact that they believed based on his work last spring and in summer camp that he was fully deserving of that chance, I think they're willing to more than willing to give him a spot there. And then the competition in case he breaks down, that's where you talk about Daniel Ponce de Leon, who I think should be a big league starter making 30 starts a year in this league, no doubt about it. But if I'm a Cardinals fan, I don't want to see that guy traded to go do it somewhere else because I think he really could. And I understand he's like 28, 29 years old. He's not exactly a young prospect at this point in time. But he's got really, really good stuff. On his best day, he's as good as anyone. I really still am, am beating the drum for this guy. I understand it. But I love what I've seen out of this guy when he's going well. And so I think he should absolutely be in the Cardinals rotation. But I named the four guys he's not going to go in over. And Carlos Martinez is one that maybe you could win a spot over him uh, because this spring, where I still stand, if he is Carlos Martinez of old, he's the most valuable to you in the rotation. But if there's question marks now based on last season, based on it's been several years since he's been that guy at this point in time, which I could understand that being a possibility. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't consistently done it in several years and he hasn't logged a full season as a starter and dealt with whatever that does and the wear and tear on your body since 2017 so all that being said I could consider this time to say all right because we know what Carlos brings in a bullpen role and he's having a better you know Daniel Ponce de Leon having a better or equal spring I could see going with Ponce as a number five because I think his role in the bullpen ends up kind of getting relegated to mop up duty pitching three four innings at a time and in blowout games when you you know your starter goes out early. I don't think I think he's meant for something better than that and I would like to see him get the chance to have that opportunity again with the Cardinals. I recognize he did not pitch well early last season, but if you saw what he did down the stretch, 
Uh, he was under some difficult circumstances. He was really, really good for this team. So I'm a I'm a guy who's in Ponce's corner and would like to see him get the chance to thrive for this team. Uh, but the other guy that's really interesting that we've seen in the last couple of days with some live BP is John Gant. And if you remember back to 2019, he and Dakota Hudson ended up being the final two in competition for the number five spot that spring. And both had really good springs, but it was clear that Hudson had a, a better spring. And I thought I said at the time that Hudson was more deserving of that spot, and he earned it, and he won it, and he ended up doing very well in that spot. John Gant has been a really good weapon, though, for the Cardinals out of the bullpen and has said this spring he would like the chance to return to the rotation. He's going to be in the role this spring of a guy who can throw multiple innings and be ramped up for that competition, but I would peg him in the power rankings right now at number seven as far as the way the team views it. I don't think they're too keen on just you know thrusting him back into a rotation spot I would venture to say that if he had not expressed it that he that he wants like that's what he wants that is his preference it wouldn't really even be as much of a thought in our minds because it's been a couple of years since he was legitimately a candidate for one of those spots because a lot of times in spring like they bring a dozen guys that they say are, are going to work out as starters that's been the the mantra of the last couple of years they're not phrasing it that way quite the same this year because when we've asked about Alex Reyes and Hennessy Cabrera and Gant and some of these guys, Mike Schultz says, yeah, I mean, they're going to throw multiple innings, but you can just almost tell with the way he's approaching it that they feel like they've got a little bit more of a concrete idea with where they're going to head with the rotation, barring injury, and it doesn't necessarily include any of those names. And so and that's just my read, right? I could be I could be speculating and trying to read tea leaves, and I could be wrong on that. I could be off base. But I would say that if the rotation stays healthy, that's kind of what you're going to see, what I just rattled off a moment ago. And if it doesn't, that's when you can start to say, all right, we legitimately have a couple of spots that we can work with here, and we're going to have to pick whether it's going to be a Reyes, whether it's going to be a Henesis, whether it's going to be a John Gant, Daniel Ponce de Leon, those kind of guys. And so while Ponce did really well at the end of last year, uh, I don't know that that guarantees him a spot in this rotation because you have Michaelis presumably returning. So I think it's a great, interesting conversation. Uh, That and the outfield situation are two really fascinating elements of the Cardinals currently in spring. And as we open up Grapefruit League play on Sunday, uh, a game which, by the way, will be started by Jack Flaherty. Mike Schilt giving the news this morning that not only will Flaherty start on Sunday against the Nationals down here in Jupiter, but he will be the Cardinals' opening day starter when they head north on April 1st to take on the Cincinnati Reds at Great American Ballpark. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, I know that Jack had the 4.91 ERA last year, and you look at that and say, is that really an opening day starter? But you've got to break it down and consider all the things that he endured last year, which Mike Schilt alluded to today and Jack earlier this week when we spoke to him mentioned as well. Just to talk about, look, it's not as though I had COVID. It's not as though I was hurt, but I may have well have been the case because I was down for basically a month between starts. He started on July 24th to start the year, and then his next start wasn't until August 19th. The interim was spent in hotel rooms. It was spent trying to go on again, off again because of the COVID outbreak among the team. And so they were really outside of the realm of usual baseball activity for a three-week period. And then when they come back, he's the fifth guy to pitch in the rotation. Like they moved him to the back of the line instead of the front of the line, which is where he would have been uh, because they had had five games before the, the breakdown, I believe, before the shutdown. And so 
he ends up not getting to pitch for a while. Then when he does pitch, it's 41 pitches in an inning and two-thirds, and it's a constant battle. Each start, you can't feel like you're getting into a rhythm because you have to worry about what your pitch count's going to be. You go from 40 to 60 to 80, and then they get him up you know, into that 90 range to where by the beginning of September, he's ready to go probably as far as a buildup is concerned. But then, he, you know, guys are going to struggle sometimes, and he has what it has to this point been the worst start of his career in Milwaukee in the middle of that month. And that took his ERA from where it would have been. Like if you knocked that start completely out of here, and I've talked about this before, but I feel like it needs to be said over and over again, because yes, this guy is the caliber of pitcher to be the Cardinals annual opening day starter. He is that good. He is their ace. You look at last year, his ERA was 3.12 in every game, except for the one in Milwaukee where he gave up eight or nine runs and that whole night was a disaster for a lot of reasons. And so when you look at Flaherty, I don't think you can look at him based on 4.91 ERA and think that's the pitcher he is, given the sample size, given the breakdown of the way last season went. I think the fact that he pitched as well as he did under those circumstances, and then as well as he did in that postseason game against the Padres where they didn't win it, but it's only because they didn't score any runs, you should have high expectations. Knock on wood that he stays healthy. If he does, your expectations, as a, I think, as a fan base and uh, for this team should be sky high when it comes to Jack Flaherty and the, the impact that he could be able to have. But I did ask him about it, and I played this clip the other day on the podcast, but I think it is worth revisiting just to wonder what his workload's going to look like. Because when you throw 46 innings combined between the regular season and the postseason, that's a far cry from the 180, 190, 200 that he expects of himself that his body is, you know, conditioned to be ready for every time you roll out around from spring to summer. And this year, I don't know that you're going to be able to do that. He says he's preparing as though that's going to be the case, but it he acknowledged it's going to be a conversation between myself and the team to try to figure out how to do this. But he's not looking to skip starts. He's not looking to have a redux of what last year was. Uh, you know, he wants to, he appreciated the way the team handled him carefully, but I, he also is a competitor that wants to be out there. And so I think, you know, it, it, it's certainly plausible that there's going to be some limitations. It could be if he's sailing, you're going to see him throw 98 pitches and go seven innings and that'll happen. But there's going to be some other times, I think, where if he's laboring, the Cardinals might be a little more quick, especially when you, when you talk about April early in the season, if there's games where He's having tough innings, multiple tough innings, regardless of the pitch count. You could see Mike Schilt be a little bit more careful with him, quicker with the hook, and that's certainly going to be something that Flaherty will have to continue to adapt to because it was obviously something he dealt with a year ago, and he'll have to be ready for what that looks like. Uh, but I think as you get into get through April and get into May and June and through the rest of the season, he should be somebody that's locked in and ready to roll. Um, certainly, in my opinion, someone that's a Cy Young candidate this season. I know there are some other other big arms in the National League, but 25 years old, he's coming into his own. This could be, you know, the, the breakout season really for Flaherty because his his breakout, quote unquote, was when he had that second half of 2019 and was so tremendous with an ERA of like one or less than one, whatever it was. But because the first half wasn't so good, the end of season numbers weren't like bouncing off the wall insane. And so I feel like when he gets a whole season under his belt here in 2021, it could be pretty special if he's able to uh, kind of hone the, the the talent that he obviously has and if he's able to stay healthy and, and contribute and compete at that level every fifth day. It's going to be fun to watch. So that's kind of the scoop from today's Cardinals camp. I received 
a couple of voice messages, voicemail messages on Anchor that I'm going to play for tomorrow's podcast and dive in a little bit further on. So I appreciate those who have reached out with with those messages. And if you would like to be a part of the show, you are more than welcome to do so. Here's how you get involved. You head to anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message. And there you can record your own voice right from your phone or laptop asking a question or making a commentary about the St. Louis Cardinals that will come to me and I will be able to access it and play it on the show and give a response to it in a future episode. Would love to have you do that. We're going to have two of them for tomorrow's episode that we'll play and discuss. Uh, One of them, I'll go ahead and tease, excited that I received this question, asking a little bit more about Zach Thompson because we've been talking about Libertor. Zach Thompson, another left-hander that could factor into the Cardinals' future. Haven't seen a whole lot of him yet, but I will give my take on what I have seen and what I have gathered to form an opinion on him as far as when and in what fashion he could be impacting the Cardinals down the road. And then it'll be some more outfield talk. Uh, One of the questions asked about Lane Thomas. We'll get into it tomorrow. Obviously, if you're listening to this episode and ask that question, uh, you definitely got a a burst of Lane Thomas conversation earlier with the uh, home run that I failed to catch off his bat. But certainly the outfield competition, as I mentioned, is going to be one of the most interesting elements of spring alongside starting rotation. You know, you might feel like you have a bead on who's going to be the everyday starters in that outfield. And the Cardinals, maybe they'll start out that way. But guys, 162 games, six months is a long time. You could have the same outfield every day, all of April. That's not going to happen, but like theoretically you could. It could be drastically different by the end of the season. The season's going to ebb and flow. There are going to be slumps. There are going to be hot streaks. And it's going to be interesting to see how these guys track throughout the year. They get it started all down here in Jupiter. That's where I am, and it's where I'll be for the next couple of weeks. So make sure to stick with the podcast, folks. We're going to be releasing episodes pretty much every day. We've done it every day this week as we get into the weekend and games beginning. Uh, They may be a little shorter. They may be a little more sporadic where we miss a day or two. Uh, Certainly going to go at least five days a week. I think that's how you have to do it to qualify for the label B-Shape Daily. So that's what we're going to shoot for. Um, But we're going to be on top of everything down here in Jupiter. So make sure to give us a follow, subscription, whatever you call it on the app you use. You can find us pretty much anywhere. Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever you do. Make sure to hit us up. Give us a subscription. Follow along at bshafer12 on Twitter. Facebook.com slash bshafer12 as well. Because we're going to keep things rolling here. Really excited about the direction we're heading with this podcast. Getting uh, as much information out there as we can from a, a trying time to be a, a, a media folk down here at spring training, but we're having a blast bringing it to you. So appreciate you guys listening along and we will talk to you tomorrow live once again from Jupiter, Florida.